thankful to be here this morning in the house of God. We've got um, Sunday school this week. want to thank Catherine for the breakfast last week. Yeah. Um, I heard it was excellent. And then thank Leo for uh, pitch hitting for me on um, Sunday school two weeks ago. Thank you, Leo. Yeah. But uh, we want to continue uh, in our series we were talking about what is a church, but kind of transition um, to what we as a church need to do. Let's pray and get started. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, whatever's on our hearts and our minds and our souls, may you take that. You say, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to you. You tell us to be joyful in the midst of trials. And so, God, we want to do that here this morning. We want to worship you because you deserve it. And we come to you knowing that you are the creator, God of very gods, who has everything in control. And so we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been talking about the church and uh, we've been talking about light and darkness. And Pastor Charles talked about that even in uh, listen to the sermon we're gone, um, and it's kind of all tied in together, even as Tina said this morning, um, even women's ministry, I guess, was about what is the church, um, but uh, what does it mean for us to be a church, for us to be Christian in this world today, and I was thinking about light and darkness. Mike and I went hunting last night. And it was really windy. And we were sitting there. And I'm against a dead tree. And I'm sitting only about 10 feet up. But this dead tree was going like this. My only thought was, with all this wind, this tree could kill me. And I thought, I'm, probably the wisdom choice would be to move onto the ground somewhere where there's not a dead tree. But of course, I did not take the wisdom choice. I sat in the dead tree. Um, But the wind was really howling around me. I didn't feel safe. Now, if I'd have sat on the ground away from a dead tree, I probably would have felt much safer. But we are able to hunt till 30 minutes after sunset. Well, 30 minutes after sunset, it gets pretty dark. And everything I'm looking at changes. The stump that I knew was a stump looked like a bear last night. And I'm like, oh, man. And you start to feel kind of weird out there. But when the sun was shining, I felt perfectly safe, except for the wind. But then the sun went away. And I felt just something in me. Have you ever watched a movie and the movie was all sunshine and it was just beautiful outside? But it was a horror movie? No, typically when do horror movies, when do they shoot them? When it's dark. When, when you're sitting around a campfire, do you tell, tell those spooky ghost stories when it's daylight out? No, why? You wait till it's dark, right? You wait till it's dark. Well, wanting to get out of a tree, but I've got to go this way, and Mike's sitting in a tree over there. Well, I don't want to get shot by Mike. So I appreciated what Mike did once he got out of the tree. He shined his little light. So I knew it was safe to go over there. He's not going to shoot me. 
Now, that light last night was really bright. In the middle of the day, though, if Mike would have shined that light on, what would have happened? Would I have even seen it? No. But last night, that light lit up the woods as far as I saw a beacon of light. And that's what we've been kind of talking about. The world is in darkness. The Bible says that over and over. I've got John 3, 16 through 20 pulled up. Uh, Ephesians 5, it talks about a kingdom of darkness. And we are to be light in that kingdom of darkness. And it's really got me thinking, the church has kind of lost its way in a lot of ways. We've become a kingdom of darkness in, in a lot of ways ourselves. When we're dealing with anxiety, how do we deal with it? Like the world deals, deals with it? Or do we cast our cares upon God knowing he cares for us? And too many times we take a worldly approach to what is going on in our lives and we look no different than the world. A lot of Christians are dealing with the same things the world deals with. Why? Because we live in the world. But what do we view the solution as? What do we have to offer to the world? If we view every solution as worldly. Ruth and I have been gone for two, a little over two weeks. And we were up in the UP of Michigan. Up in, uh, on Lake Superior. And we were at a place called the Mouth of the Two-Hearted. And they had plaques around talking about Ernest Hemingway had went up there after World War I and was writing books and was getting some inspiration. And he was going through some funk, some real funk. And um, he had wrote a book called The Sun Also Rises, but he took a term that he got from Gertrude Stein. It's called the, the Lost Generation. Because you had all these World War I veterans. They were coming back to the States. And they were just lost. They had seen some atrocities. But they were lost. What was the purpose of life? What was the meaning? And he was questioning that. And he viewed himself as part of that lost generation. And I wonder as we're battling things of this world, if we as Christians, real life stuff, start to feel like a lost generation. What's going on? I thought since I was a Christian, everything would be great. My life would be a bed of roses and I'd have a huge house and huge income. And everything is not like that though, is it? We've been sold a bill of goods by a lot of people because that's not what Christianity is about. Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And we've come out of this funk going, what is happening? This isn't the Christian life that I thought it was. How do we, as lights, go into a dark world? And not become that lost generation. You see, the world needs Jesus, believe it or not. The world needs Jesus. And the world should expect Jesus' followers to be like Jesus. But unfortunately, 
We've lost our way and become a lost generation. I want to have Leo play a video and then I want to kind of discuss it as we talk about what does it mean to be in the world I believe, you know, a shadow without that a truck was coming in here. 
When you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you. There's a certain point where I tackle you, and this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, but I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man that gave you that book. That's all I want to say. I don't know if you guys have know who Penn Gillette is, but he's a magician in Vegas. And he's an atheist, a pretty outspoken atheist. But the, he was given that New Testament and tells a story. Uh, how many of you have seen that, that story? few people have. What was your thoughts as this atheist who still does not believe in God? What was your thoughts as you watched that? Vince, this is your one. You think he's a fool? Yes, he is. <laughs> That's pretty much it. What was your thoughts, though, on the video? I think it was pretty strong. That he, I mean, he had common sense in his flesh or by common race of understanding. If you really believe in something, then why would you not tell something about it? And I think that's a very strong statement. Mm-hmm. And a very truthful one. Yeah. Anybody else? I think you can really see the conflict of him, like, intellectually, like, I know that there's no God, but, like, why did it jack you up so bad that, that he just didn't, like, why are you coming out here making a video? Like, why are you making such a big, you know, like, it hit, it hit him. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely, you could see that conflict going on. Yeah. What else? Anybody else had thoughts? Well, the word God says, um, if you want to have friends, you got to show yourself friendly. And there's a friend that sticks closer to the brother, who is Jesus. So he was amazed by the kindness and friendliness of this man. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to beat him on the head. You better believe in Jesus. But through kindness, so it kind of struck him. And who knows? Maybe down the road somewhere. Yeah. You know, that kindness might pierce his heart. Essie? Same thing. Same thing, okay. Yeah. What struck me as first part of the video, the guy compliments Penn on his honesty and the, the act and all this stuff. And then the man looks him dead in the eyes and said, I'm here to proselytize you. Like he wasn't faking it, trying to do an end around. He was open about, I'm here to proselytize you. I'm giving you this New Testament. It's got phone numbers. It's got emails in it. And I want to see you. I don't know what all he said, but he didn't 
fake it. The guy didn't have to figure out if Penn was a Christian. Penn was, or, yeah, guy didn't have to figure out. No, Penn was not a Christian. Penn didn't have to figure out if the guy was a Christian. He said it. He spoke it. He told them, I'm here to proselytize you. And that's one of the things that hit me from the story, and I'd seen this years ago, was there was no bait and switch. There was no bait and switch. He came out and told him what he was there for and what he wanted to do. Very kindly. Um. Looked him in the eye, he said, which the man appreciated. Now, we live in a world that, and Penn even says it, most atheists would say, keep your religion to yourself. But, how many times do we look at somebody and say, I would love to see them in the kingdom of heaven. And I am going to tell them that. And I'm going to tell them I'm proselytizing them. Or whatever term you may use. Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, When he saw the crowds, he had great compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. That is us today. He wants us in the harvest. But what do we have to offer the world but Jesus Christ? But we have to do it His way. We have to live His way. We cannot be like the world and proselytize. When we have issues of Christians, what is our first thing we should do? Could be repent, yeah. Pray to God. Search His Word. What's happening maybe? What is the world's first thing to do when there's issues? Medicaid, maybe? What are some other things? Self-help. Protest. I mean, there's a ton of different things the world go to right away. And we as Christians tend to do the same thing. If we are truly a light in the darkness... That's not very light. It's not bringing much light if we do the same thing the world does when we're going through stuff in the world. And so we have got to be not a subculture, as Leo said, but countercultural, different than. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Mike's light was shining last night in the darkness. And it was bright, a little bitty light on a cell phone. I could see where he was. Why? Because it was pitch black. Do you realize we live in a pitch black world? A world in darkness? 
If we just act like Christians, we are going to shine bright. We are going to shine bright. Now, you may not get always the response you're looking for. You may not get a video made about you from somebody. But I guarantee the Word of God will work. But your life also has to match it. Too many times we want to uh, just kind of deal with life uh, by watching. I was thinking, how, do, how does the world also deal with life? They, they delve into politics, maybe. Everything's about politics. That's all they want to talk about. Maybe it's, hey, sports is my thing. i got to watch NFL. i got to watch college game. I mean, I just immerse myself in... I, now, I do fantasy football. No, nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but uh, we tend to entertain ourselves out of our problems, which means we just push them to the back. Some people get into news, whatever the latest thing is on Netflix. And that is what the world does. I was thinking in my own life, with my entertainment. So Ruth and I watch a little YouTube maybe right before we go to bed or, I don't know, Prime or whatever it is. We've been watching Bob Newhart show. Um, and then I like deer hunting, so I went deer hunting last night. And I'm trying to think. Do I, the things I enjoy that entertain me, am I delving into the scripture as much, if not more? Am I praying to God as much, if not more? Or do the things and the cares of this world eat up my time? And so Ruth and I were gone for two weeks up in the UP. And when we weren't sleeping, we were outside. Because we got a little small camper, and you don't want to be stuck in with two dogs and and me in a camper. So we were outside, um, but it was so refreshing to see what really matters in life. Plenty of time to get away from everything that captures my attention and go. The heavens do declare the glory of God. Nature does declare the glory of God was able to walk beach of Lake Superior and just pick up rocks and marvel at God. Where I'm in the city, I'm just busy, 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 busy. And so it was a good time for me to reflect, even in my own life, am I a light in the darkness? Or am I becoming just like the culture, the society in which I live, running from one thing to another and medicating my problems and doing this with my issues and we're going to be talking in the next few weeks about what does it mean to preach the gospel to ourselves we talk about that we get up in the morning we need to preach a gospel to ourselves what does that mean what does that mean but how do we in this foreign land this church is an embassy how do we navigate it and get keep ourselves safe because you read the headlines, it's bad out there. We had a, a shooting. Somebody on Seward wrecked into somebody and then killed them a block from our house Friday. I mean, no care for human life. Nothing. You care for human life and you share the gospel? That's a bright light in a dark world. That's a very bright light 
in a dark world. I'm thinking about getting away every so often just to reset. Just to reset with God. I look at Jesus' life and he got away every so often and took a few disciples but then told the, you stay here, I'm going further. And got away. And I think sometimes we as a church need to do that. Reset. What is our focus? Where, what's our goal? You see, it should be pointing people to God. He is that light. I was watching things on Hamas and Israel uh, yesterday and the bombings that are going on and just sad. And I'm like, Israel has had so much light, but they've rejected it. They have rejected Jesus. And so there's no peace over there and there will be no peace till Jesus comes. But I look and went, how could a people be so, so lost in darkness? And I think about the church in America and I think of the lost generation we have here. Where are we going? I was reading an article Mike sent about Andy Stanley. I think he's down south somewhere and just capitulating to the culture when it comes to sexuality. And, and many people capitulating to the culture when it comes to all kinds of things. Abortion. Um, sexuality. What we believe about men's and women's roles within the church. All kinds of things were capitulating to the culture. And what happens when the culture starts to invade the church? That light becomes dim and dim and dim and dim. And soon, there's no difference between the church and the world. And their light has went out. I think you can read about that in the book of Revelation. I believe as disciples, we are under attack. As Ernest Hemingway came back from the war, he was at a loss. And I think we have been under attack because we have had a culture that has been soft. And now we want to draw the culture by being winsome or being whatever and try to ebb and flow with the culture around us. You can't do that. You need to be honest with people. I'm here to proselytize you. You're in darkness. I want to see you come to light. And so that's my challenge for us today is where are you in your walk with Christ? So when you do say, I want you to be a Christian, that person can look at your life and go, wow, they are different. They are different. They take their problems and they deal with them in a different way. And they got the same problems I may have. But I don't see them doing the same solutions that I do. They may have anxiety, but they're going to God. They're praying about it. They have brothers and sisters that come around them that pray for them. They, they may have a loss of a job like I've had, but I see them reliant upon each other and praying about it and How do they have a peace in the midst of these storms? 
That is a bright light when the world sees that kind of living. And so I really believe us as a church dealing with the craziness of life that we will go through. And we've had craziness of life within this church. Coming around each other and being family. It's harder to do than we might think. But I believe if we all have the same purpose and the same goal, and that's to reflect God, we can make a difference in this community. I was thinking about the sun and the moon last night. The sun reflects against the moon, and the moon brings dark, or light to a dark place. I'm like, we're the moon. All we're doing is reflecting God's glory on this earth. But we need to point people to the sun and be pointing people to the sun and never to ourselves because we're going to fail people every day. But when we do, they should see Christians reconciling. Different than the world does. I'm getting out of this toxic relationship. I'm cutting them off. Now, there may be a time for that, but that's the world's mantra today. Everything's toxic. I'm cutting it off. Versus loving people, praying for people. The Bible says if we're not willing to forgive, what does the Bible say will not happen to us? We will not be forgiven. That's Gospel 101. Talk about preaching the Gospel to yourself. There's a lot of Things to unpack in the gospel. But do we live that way? We're going to take some questions. um, But before we do that, Arpeth is going to take about 45 minutes. No, just kidding. Uh, As much time as he wants. And uh, he's going to give us some, some starters for evangelism. As we go into these uh, cold weather months. This is not just cold weather month stuff though. This is year round stuff. Um, but Arpeth's going to take it over for a few minutes. And I like your Bible. It's got bigger letters. It needs to be bigger. So much easier to read. Um... Yeah, so the shining the light, right? Like Pastor Cleet's example, Pastor Mike shining the light. Now, if we were to do that in reality, what would that look like? Is it comfortable? Is it not? Is it weird? Is it awkward? Um, Yeah, what what are you guys' thoughts? I'm also okay with the awkward silence, so we can go all day. Yes. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, Stephen says it's awkward. All those things. Any other thoughts? Speak up more. Yep, I got you, Pastor Mike. Like, yeah, if you were to engage in a conversation with a friend or a coworker, what are some feelings that would surface up? Yeah, like being fearful of the relationship. Like, not having control over how they can respond. Yeah. And just wondering how it would be received. Yeah, how would it be received? Yeah, I think all those are like 
legitimate. Oh. Well, I think uh, even in that video, Penn said, even if it's socially awkward, I want you know, you should love that person enough to tell them, even if it is socially awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like Pastor Cleet's like beautifully bringing it back in. Yeah, it, it is awkward. We don't know how the person's going to respond. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to be saying the right thing sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm like just like one track mind. This is all I know. Like, I don't know if this makes sense. Uh, and in all that, yeah, the videos, the guy in the video said it. Pastor Cleet brought us back. If we truly love, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm even going to take it one step back. Like, man, if we truly love Jesus, we got to do this. Like, forget your friend for a second. Like, I love my friends. Um, but more than that, man, like, I, I, lo- I love Jesus more. Um, and so I want, I want us to have this imagery in, in our minds. Um, it, it is awkward. It is uncomfortable a lot of times. But I'm not sure if you guys have, remember learning to bike. Like, how many of you remember when you learned to bike or when you learned to roller skate or something? Yeah? Uh, I remember when I was learning to roller skate, uh, this is like, I was probably like fourth grade, so a little, little further in age, so to say. <laughs> uh, but, but I remember the things more clearly. I would always fall on my back. Like, every time I'd like get my skates, I'd fall on my back. And, and so, and there was no one to teach me. So this, I, this pre, pre-YouTube, uh, this is just me, like, figuring it out. Like, in my house, wearing roller skates, falling on my back. In my house, wearing roller skates, again and again. Uh, and so I was like, all right, what's the smart thing to do? My butt's always hurting. Let me tie a pillow around me. So I tied the pillow around me, and I'd fall on the pillow. It still hurt, but it took the, uh, it took the, uh, fall a little bit. So I'm going to give you guys some pillows that you could probably put around you that would help you hopefully better engage with your friends, uh, your family, uh, whoever, right? strangers, co-workers. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, and the key question I have uh, for, for us as a church today is like, like this person, whoever uh, God's bring to, to our minds, right? Or like, will bring to our mind. The question is like, hey, what's your faith background? And what does it look like for you today to practice this faith background? What are some answers do you think you'll get? I'm not a religious person. Not a religious person, yeah? I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Not religious, <laughs> but spiritual. All right. I'm religious. Religious answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And or. <laughs> I think sometimes a lot of people will say, I'm not religious, but I think it's important to be good. Yeah, not religious, but it's important to be good. <clears throat> I've been hearing this a lot. I grew up in a very strict Christian family, but I don't go to church anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thought? Any other things that you're like thinking of your friend or like conversations you've had? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Go around saying you get a lot of like David going out to that bar stuff, and, and if it's not family, that was um, 
church and Christian, it'll be like, uh, <coughs> you know, church history or the evils of, really, I'm kind of talking about that, right? Yeah. Look at, like, look around on my neighborhood or my, my bosses. Look, look at how much awful things have come from religion or Christianity, the crusades or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Those are real answers, guys. Those are real answers. Uh, I want us to do two things. One, take those answers and don't assume those answers when you talk to your friend. Even if they're saying the same thing you know, receive it with fresh ears. Uh, receive it with compassion. Number two, uh, I like to like go back to the example of Nehemiah. I'm not sure if you guys know this person, Nehemiah. Uh, he's in the Old Testament. Uh, He's what you'd call a career man. He's not like your missionary dude. He's not a prophet, so to say, in a traditional sense. He's like serving the king. He's cupbearer to the king. So, like career dude, that's, that's how I look at him. But he's like constantly praying. Receives news about Jerusalem, he's praying. Uh, he's sad, goes to the king. King's like, what's wrong? Before answering to the king, he's praying. So, so the first thing I want to encourage us to do uh, is pray. Like man, I'm not feeling this. I'm hearing it at church. I kind of know this is true. I kind of know that I need to engage with my friends uh, or family or co-workers or whoever it is. Uh, pray. Like, I, honestly, we, we could all like share and talk, but like, I, I, I can't convince anyone to do anything. I don't have that power. But I would encourage you guys to pray because uh, Christ is the one who's truly powerful. Second, also pray uh, if you're like, okay, I know I need to do this. Um, I know this is important and I want to do it, but I, know, I do not know who I could engage with. Pray. Ask the Lord. All right, God, show me a person or a few people uh, within, within the end of this month, hopefully, who I could ask this question to. Like, hey, what's your faith background and what does it look like today? Um, all right, does, 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 are you guys tracking? Does that sound fair? Does that sound doable? <coughs> all right. Uh, finally, I want you guys to ask the question. And, and, and I'll even make it, like, if you're like, oof, I've never done this before. I've never asked anyone this question before. Ask someone from church. Ask your spouse. Ask your pastor. Ask a friend from church. Just hear what people have to say. Just, you know, get familiar with the... Uh, and, and the goal, again, over here is not a bait and switch. My hope is that it's, it's more like training wheels. Just, just ask the person the question. They respond. They ask you what your faith background is. They don't, that's okay. But if they do, you answer what your faith background is, what it looks like. Um, and, and for some of us, that, that might be easy, it might be easier to transition to the gospel from there. And praise God for that. And for some of us, it may not, and that is okay. Like, like if, if you're not there yet, like, that's okay. Like, just get on that bike, start pedaling. You got these training wheels. It, it's okay if it goes a little bit this way, that way. But if the conversation ends with, like, hey, I'm a Christian, and I go to church every Sunday, that's okay. At least you're now talking more, more than just sports, more than just news. Now you've brought a spiritual component into your conversation. So in the future... Uh, when there is an opportunity, when there are other questions you can ask around this, hopefully it's not as awkward or as like, 
out of left field. It's a very, very simple question. You're not there to attack anyone. Like we were seeing in the video, the person, was, the person who gave the Bible wasn't defensive, so you're not gonna, going there to be defensive. You're just, gonna, you're just out of curiosity, out of love for your friend, asking this question. Uh, I do want to like uh, uh, end with like this one thing. And Pastor Cleep was ha- talking about something that happened last night in his life. Uh, something happened last night in my life too. More around like 2.30 a.m. Uh, we adopted a pup, uh, a dog, not a puppy, a dog. So around like 2.30, he's like coming to our bed. He's like jumping in our bed. Michelle's like startled. Now I'm awake. And then we're like, oh, probably he needs to go to the bathroom. So 2.30, I'm like frustrated. I'm like, okay, like sleep disturbed, but like, okay, I got to love this dog. Get him on a leash, take him out. He does his business. He comes back and then he's just like, like bumping into the water bowl. And then I realized there's no water in the water bowl. The dog's been trying to wake us up, said we gave him water. Uh... And, and, and I want us to approach these, con, con, like, and so I filled the water and he like lapped the water up. Uh, why am I saying this? I, I want us to approach these conversations with that mindset. Like the mindset is, man, I might think like all this person needs to do is like for me to listen. And like there's a great, there's great um, wisdom in listening, um, but also this person needs water person needs living water. Uh, I thought the dog just needed to pee, get, get all the pee out, like, yeah, I took him out and he did his thing. <laughs> but like the dog needed water, like it wasn't about like, like he didn't wake us up because he wanted to pee, he, he knew his time, but he needed water. And I thought I knew better than the dog, but like, no, I didn't. Uh, and like, that was humbling for me. If I don't even know better than this dog that I've adopted, like, like, man, I don't, the only thing I know that these people need is what the Word of God says, and that's living water. Um, just, just want to leave us with that. Thank you, Arthur. That's a good illustration. From... I want to come back to one thing that Penn said as he was making a description. He said, if I knew... A truck was barreling down the road at you, but you didn't believe it. At some point, I'm going to tackle you and get you out of the road. And goes on to say, how much do you have to hate someone not to share if you think they're going to spend eternity away from God or in hell? And I want us to think through that. In your own lives, how much... Do you have to hate someone not to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Or you really don't believe it yourself. And I wonder if we looked at our lives and took inventory of our lives, we would say off our mouth, God is good, right, and perfect. He is the creator of the world. He has everything in control. He is sovereign. He puts down kingdoms. He puts up kingdoms. But when it comes to how we live, does our life actually match that God is good, right, and perfect? Does it match that he has everything in control? 
Does it match that when he says, don't worry, but pray? Does it match when the Bible talks about be anxious or don't be anxious, but pray? Does it match when he says, count it all joy when you go through various trials? We may be able to say that verbally, and we may be able to think that, but has it hit our heart that we live it? And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we can say a lot of stuff, but it hasn't really hit our heart. I look at some of the, the most uh, educated pastors, most educated people, and I wonder, how could you turn from Christ? Because I've seen some people, as they call it, deconstructing their faith. And at the end of that, they become atheists or agnostics. And I'm like, how did you preach all those messages? And now you say, no, I don't believe. And then I think of Judas. And I think he walked with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, right before he killed himself, he took communion. And I wonder how many of us need to look in the mirror and say, am I Judas? And I think we would be able to tell where we are in our Christian walk. This is not to shame anyone, but are you in love with Jesus so much that you want others to know about him? That you want them to have that living water. That you want them, as that truck is barreling down on them, you're willing to risk that relationship and pull them from that road. Too many times we we don't like that social awkwardness. Or we believe the lie of like, yeah, Christians are judgmental. And if, are Christians judgmental? Yeah, they can be. But I'll tell you what. I would rather be considered judgmental and love someone than to never say a word to them about who Jesus is and what he expects and see them go to hell. I would rather the world look at me and go, you know what? That guy walks weird, man. Like, he's just a weird duck. Like, and be socially whatever, inept, than to have my time before God. And he goes, what did you do? I put these people in your path to tell about me. And you wanted, you had more pride in yourself. You had more care about yourself than you did me. Anyway, I want to close with that. We've got just a few minutes. But uh, any questions or comments uh, as we as we talk about our love for people. Any questions or comments? Vince, you had your one. Nope, you had your one. Oh, nope, you had your one. Yep, you get that one. You're my dude. Okay, any questions or comments? I think we're all hitting it out of the park when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Don't you, Arpeth? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of times it turns into an argument and an apolog and apologetics are great, but they have their place. But yeah, I, I think a lot of us, and that's why we get probably the label judgmental, is because we do view it as an argument versus, man, I do love you, and here's water, and I I want you to drink it. And a passion of love versus a passion of I'm right. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Cassie. Mike? Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm really interested in the series that you're doing with Arvid because I think a lot of times we don't preach the gospel of others because we don't preach it to ourselves. We don't preach it to our family. A uh, child reminding uh, another child or a parent or a parent reminding a child or a spouse, a spouse or a friend or a friend, something about the gospel, the promise of the gospel, uh, something that tells them about the truth. But we're not doing that with those that we know most closely, and chances are we'll probably be a lot less than we do with others. So, what you're in the next few weeks of preaching the gospel yourself, I think, is not only going to build us up, but it's actually going to break us out more out of our comfort zones. And if we're not preaching the gospel to ourselves, or even walking in the gospel, we're probably not preaching it to anybody else, or walking it out in in culture. I appreciated uh, Pastor Charles' message last week because he kind of hit on that. Uh, there was a lot, lot of gospel one-on-ones in uh, Pastor Charles' message of how we live with them, one another. And one of the things that hit me when he said it, he's like, there's no black and white with God. We make, or, no, there's only black and white with God. We tend to live in the gray area or something. I'm butchering it. I don't know. Um, but he's right. <laughs> he, uh, he's right. There are a lot of gray areas with humans, but with God, there's black and white, right? Yep. There's good and evil. Arpith. Going to your question of hitting it up the park, uh, I would say there are seasons it's been easier to go out, engage with people, mm-hmm. and then like a lot, lot more often, it's not easier. Uh, and it's more so like going up with others. <laughs> Who are either who are like who are in a season where they're like uh, engaging with people, so like hanging out with them, going out with them. I think that's been helpful for me because mm. uh, yeah, in, in going that like I'm sharing the gospel for myself as well. Like in like me wanting to engage with this other person, uh, engaging with this discipline, engaging with like this commandment of Christ. Like I'm also like as my friend or my brother's like preaching this gospel to an unbeliever, I'm also receiving it for myself. Yeah. One of the things that I want us as a body to get out of is um, if you look at your life as a round circle, it's like, okay, this slice is when I do evangelism. It's like, no. I mean, you would never go, okay, this is when I talk about the lions, this portion of my life. Would you? It's like, no, I just like the lines. We talk about it whenever. I want us to get that way with evangelism. It's not this. It's, yeah, I talk about it all the time. I talk about the gospel all the time. 
That's what I'm passionate about. Um, we, but we tend to pie chart it, right? It's like, okay, I've got my one hour I'm committing to God. I'm going to go up here to Virginia Park Grocery Store and I'm going to evangelize. It's like, that's good that you're out and, and talking to people about Jesus and we want to create paths for that. But I want this to ooze from our pores. It's just who we are. It's not a pie chart. It's encompassing the whole thing. And everything else is colored in around it. And so that's what my hope is. We come away from uh, this Sunday school series with going, that's just who I am. It's my identity is in this. Not, uh, well, this is my segment of my life when I'll do this. So any questions before we close? Essie. <laughs> they know she's going to be talking about Jesus. Well, sometimes, and then, you know, God just gives me that hit, just, you know, talking to people yeah. and to get them to open up. I'll just start, and, and we can just talk about just, just ordinary things, and then I'll ask, you know, do you go to church? And, and things like, you know, and they'll say, Grandma, please don't start. <laughs> but that's just what God gives me to do sometimes when I'm out. Well, in order to share the gospel, you actually do have to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing, uh, and I hope this is another encouragement to the church. I went to a mission conference yesterday, and the guy who was uh, sharing about all these uh, mission work happening in India, he was like, yeah, more recently everyone just talks about persecution, and like that's essentially all mission work becomes. Uh, but he's like, no, there's actual like good uh, kingdom work happening, and the kingdom of God is like multiplying. And I think uh, a lot of times over here, it could always be like, oh, engaging in these conversations is going to be confrontational. It's going to be this. And we have all these like negative views of what it would look like. But like, I think that video is a good reminder of it. Like, oh, the guy didn't really understand, at least at the point of the video, but he was like, like, oh, the person who spoke to me wasn't a jerk. Like, like there is, like, there, there are ways you could engage uh, without having to feel all that you feel, if that makes sense. But I think if we, go, I think Cassie made a good point. If we think we got to win the argument with yeah. the guy, we're gonna probably come off as kind of jerkish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, that leads to a point where you know, like Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. You don't have to win them over right that second. Yeah. You know, when you walk out of there, hey, you're gonna be a Christian, buddy, or or else. Mm-hmm. No, you know, over time. You know, you can uh, build a relationship with them to where they see the Christ in you and they say, hey, I want to be like that guy, you know, or know more about Christ. And uh, so, you know, don't think you got to do it all, you know, one day or two days and you're going to have, you know, 10 people up inside the church. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to bring them, but, you know, build a relationship with people. Yeah. If you actually love people, you'll build that. Um, how many of you have sold Amway? No? I, I had people I knew in life, and they sold Amway. And they would try to get me in it. They would hit me up one time, maybe two, three, and then boom, gone. And I'm like, I thought you were my friend. Oh, it was just Amway. Okay, okay. I get you. I see where this went. But two, a lot of times we're that way with, 
we'll hit somebody maybe once or twice and they don't receive. We're, we're done. We're out. And there is a time for shaking off the dust on your feet. And my, I believe that's a time when someone believed they were a Christian. Now they're out being false prophets, being anti-Christian, and seeking to then proselytize the anti-Christian. That's when I'm shaking my dust off my feet. I'm like, you had truth. You had light. I'm not wasting my time with you because you are anti-Christ. But for that other people, I'm not just doing it to sell them the Amway, um, be their friend. Um, but a lot of times I've done that in my life. It's like, okay, hey, man. Oh, they don't accept. I quit talking about Jesus now. Like, no, nah, keep talking about Jesus. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, we'll close. Um, 11 o'clock, we will start our Sunday uh, worship service of Jesus. So there's some coffee and tea in the back.